episode 138 above ground podcast collide with andrea onstadt disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. Oh, you know who that is. Good morning, TPP. How we doing, buddy? <laughs> We're doing all right. Doing all right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this morning, man, we are back on Zoom, and that means we are here for another interview, and we are joined by Andrea Onstadt. And she is a therapist, uh, and she is also a PhD candidate in social welfare. Uh, she has studied disability justice, and she is also an adjunct instructor at UAlbany. Andrea, thank you so much for taking your valuable time and sharing it with us. Um, we are so excited yeah, that you yeah, are here. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell everyone out there uh, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. I have a lot of experience working with uh, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and autism field. I got into entirely by accident when I was like 18 years old. Um, and I just really stuck with it um, because I um, met a lot of people that I just started to care about a lot. And um, in that field, you see like a lot of just uh, chronic oppression. So like I got to this point where I was like, I got to figure out something to do about this. So that's when I uh, applied to grad school and decided to further my education. Um, and so like what I'm doing right now with my PhD studies um, is sort of like looking at the human services for that population through a disability justice lens, um, which includes like, in my mind, applying like the ideas of the neurodiversity movement, uh, the MAD movement, um, all of these movements that sort of like uh, can see like a human diversity of brains as a thing that includes both limits and challenges, but also like really fantastic, interesting, brilliant things uh, worthy of preserving rather than uh, attempting to normalize. Um, and the way I'm doing that is like the direction I'm heading is like applying um, self-determination theory or like this idea of the importance of um, autonomy uh, in how human service workers work with that population. So like looking at a range of like controlling behavior by service workers versus autonomy supportive behavior, um, by service workers, um, with this hope of like eventually encouraging people in a more autonomy supportive 
direction. Can you actually kind of uh, just talk a, a smidge just about those two that you just said and maybe the difference between the two? Controlling behaviors versus autonomy. Supportive. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so, and it, and it's like a little bit nuanced, right? Like what is controlling versus what is autonomy supportive, right? So, um, and in my field, there's a lot of controlling behaviors um, and people in the neurodiversity movement have spoken out a lot about it. Like one example that they bring up a lot is um, the use of behaviorism, behavior techniques, behaviorist techniques um, to control what are called like problematic behaviors or behaviors of concern. Right. So like typically it'll be like psychologists or behavior analysts who will like see a problematic behavior in a person and implement a plan that includes like rewards or punishments in order to kind of like steer a behavior in a particular direction. And uh, a lot of people have spoken up about how traumatic their experience with a behavior plan has been. Um, people put into seclusion rooms have the one thing that they like enjoy in their life stripped away. Um, and also there's like a lot of compelling evidence that suggests that like behaviorist techniques will, um, produce similar outcomes as autonomy supportive interventions, but with like less sense of like internalized well-being. So like an example is like grades in school, like, um, uh, teachers can be, uh, controlling, like implement punishments and rewards to try and steer kids towards better grades. And they might get A's and B's, but they could also be autonomy supportive, um, explore like what's going on in that kid's life. And, uh, they'll still get A's and B's, but have like a better sense of internal well-being, like feel more pride about their life, you know? And so like in my field, what would be autonomy supportive is actually like pretty complicated, right? Because you have to like, look at the full person, um, because autonomy comes from within. So it would look different for each person, um, and so there are ways that people might uh, uh, endorse, for example, like a rule or an expectation. And uh, for one person that could feel autonomous and for another person it could not. So the metaphor I learned to sort of like describe the way a like feeling autonomous might function is the stoplight, like a traffic light. So like when you stop at a red light, you are being controlled, but most people don't find that experience as stripping them of autonomy because internally they understand why the red light is there. It can change by the context, right? So like someone stopping at a red light in a busy intersection can endorse that red light and understand it. If they stop at a red light in the middle of the night on a country road, maybe it doesn't feel as autonomous. Maybe they're like, oh, I'm just going to run this red light because I don't understand why it's here right now. And so if you like take that sort of metaphor and apply it back to like my population and like this idea of like problematic behaviors, you would explore like, okay, like what's going on in the broader picture for this person? What's going on in terms of like them endorsing our expectations versus not? what needs, like what concrete needs does the person have that are like 
going unfulfilled, really looking at um, creating like a more supportive environment rather than steering people in a particular direction that uh, usually someone with authority desires. Who makes the determination as to what autonomy is for certain individuals? Because certain individuals, in my own personal experience, I think that the system is failing in my situation and it's failing a lot of people. But it doesn't matter who I speak to. Nothing gets done. It doesn't matter whether it's doctors or the facility. And like all the things that I suggest, it like they say they do them or they don't do them. My mother has no idea what the hell's going on, but yet they still won't take autonomy away from her. Like she has full autonomy, basically, and it's it's a nightmare. So where does the determination as to who has autonomy over themselves and can be determined whether or not when they keep telling you she's okay? But she also can play the system because, again, as someone who's been who's experienced these types of mental health challenges her whole life, just like me, like you learn how to operate within your own domain and Mm -hmm. and people learn how to play it very well. How do you decide when autonomy is is appropriate and when it's not? And and is it ever not? Because, I mean, nobody wants to feel like they don't have a choice because there's nothing worse than that. And that and, and I understand that. Autonomy um, is really frequently stripped away from people, right? And um, the thing that I always come back to is knowledge supported by science that autonomy supports does result in better outcomes, like pretty consistently, right? There's a tendency for people to double down on control um, even when it's not working. <laughs> um, and, and the example I'll give is like parents, right? So like if, if you have like autonomy supportive parenting um, and your kid has like a tough time, people will jump to be like, okay, you should, uh, you should start controlling this kid, right? And, uh, and it doesn't happen in the reverse. Like if a parent is controlling and a kid is having a tough time, People are like, okay, you should double down on the control now, <laughs> right? And so uh, there's this just like general societal leaning towards control as if it's the thing that makes the most sense. And I think it's internalized in absolutely everybody, right? So like um, this idea that control leads to safety, um, I think is a, um, a sort of understanding that needs to shift. Uh, I think that's kind of baked into the system, wouldn't you say? Is that I think that's one maybe a reason why go that way, I guess, you know, choose that. Yeah. And historically deeply entrenched, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there are examples of alternative ways of existing, but a lot of, but it, in terms of what's available right now for us to see, it's rare. It like autonomy, like truly autonomy supportive environments are pretty rare, but when you see them, they're pretty magical, not without struggle though. It's not like a utopia, right? There'll always be like struggle. There'll always be those moments like you're describing will where like you see your mom struggling and you're like scared, right? Like you're scared and you're like, what can I do? I don't want this person to get hurt the urge to steer comes a lot of times from like a genuine place of like love and concern. And so, but then also comes oftentimes, especially in, in my field, um, from like a paternalistic 
um, perspective where somebody assumes that they know better for a person than they know themselves. So like, I want to take your mom's example and explore it a little further, if that's okay. Like, because I see this in my field all the time where somebody's like, okay, they're like, they're playing the system. They're manipulating this worker. They're doing this particular action of non-compliance. Right. And within like my understanding of like disability justice, right. Like we could reframe that as resistance, right. So like, like a political resistance, right. Yes. And like the, um, the need for autonomy springing out of the person. Right. So like figuring out in a very clever way, a way to like work the system so that they can get that actual need for autonomy fulfilled in the mean with the means that they have available to them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, and, and she is a master, (laughs) but, but here, but here's the, but here's the issue. I'm the one who has to pick up the fallout and, and I gotta be honest with you. I don't have a good relationship with her as it is. And it, 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 I have set boundaries, but I can't even get the professionals to, to understand that she's manipulating them. And that is, and I, and I've watched it. I was in a, I was in therapy with her at one point to go just to see how it worked out. And I watched her have them talk her down in a prescription. And now I just got a phone call this morning at 2 AM that they took her to the hospital this morning again. So mm-hmm. it's like, this is a cycle. So like I'm all for autonomy, but when you live it at, like year after year for your entire life, it gets exhausting. And it's like when you're asking for help and nobody seems to want to answer the one question because there's no place for her to go. Also, they are very limited facilities. And I understand why there's very limited facilities. I've seen a lot of those videos that the peer support movement has on, on YouTube. Cause I've, I've watched, I've had the, all those classes and they were deplorable places. They were horrible. And I, I, and I understand that, but it's like, how do we change the level of care that people get? Because that the, there's a big divide between public care and private care and, and these private companies that come in and buy up these, these places and they take and they get more money from the government to house these people, but yet they're housing them in these horrible situations. How do we stop that? How do we fix that? <laughs> like, yeah. That's the, that's the problem, isn't it? Cause I think, <clears throat> I think that, you know, as we're talking between these two distinctive things, I personally feel like there needs to be something in the middle. Like, you know, you can't have all the way on one side autonomy and then all the uh, on the other side, you know, control, there's has to be something in the middle. And if, if obviously in a case like this, where someone can't handle the control, and if it's a safety issue, then it needs to be addressed as an individual. You know, I think in this Western culture, we like to assume that everything is the same, like, well, this is the way it worked for this person. So we're just going to make it a standard. And that's not the case. I think the problem is, is it's it's got to be individualized, and then and then you're talking more variables, which you just brought up, and then it takes more staff and more time, which is going to cost the place more money, and all they want is money because they don't really care about the people that are in it. I mean, sure, there's a handful of people that do, but ultimately, the person running the place doesn't, you know, give two shits on who's there and how their quality of life is. When you want someone to endorse endorse your idea of what's good 
for them, right? Like taking, like, well, you gave the example of like the medication, right? I feel like uh, it's more likely that somebody will jump on board and endorse a belief if they have like more autonomy in other areas of their life. And there's a tendency in um, the services for mental health populations, intellectual and developmental disability populations to strip almost all autonomy. Right. And so then it, it, the need, because autonomy is a concrete need, you see it in toddlers, like immediately, like they have, they want, no, I'll do it. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's in that signals, it's a, just a concrete need of human beings, the same way we have a need to like connect with other people. Right. And, um, the same way we need like food and water, right. It's just like a basic psychological need. So if somebody isn't getting that need met, their, uh, their urge to meet that need might spring up in the place that you don't want it to. Right. So like you think about something like inpatient hospitalization and the way autonomy is stripped away. Right. So like, can't use your phone, can't wear your clothes. Uh, you have to stay in this environment and can't leave. And like, what, which of those actions are for the safety of the person and which of those actions are for the convenience of the staff? And then are there ways to introduce a little bit more autonomy in those environments in a way that is both safe, um, but maybe inconvenient for the staff? And I think that's what it boils down to. And what you were saying, Tim, is that like supporting autonomy really kind of takes a little bit more work because <laughs> uh, you really have to get to know each individual person. So like maybe one person wouldn't be harmed by having like maybe most right. people wouldn't be harmed by having their cell phone in an inpatient hospital. Right. And I, I get that if it, you know, if you're in a, in a, an establishment that has, you know, 400 residents or something, I, I get the, the whole aspect of having rules to everyone has to wear the same thing. Just, you know, I do get that. Um, you know, I don't may, maybe if, if, if there was certain individuals that, you know, could, um, I don't know if I want to use this word, earn their autonomy, but, you know, if you can prove that you're able to handle it, then, yeah. you know, certain I don't sections. Understand. See, that's a, that's a perspective. I really don't understand this idea of earning autonomy. It's like, it's the same as like, why would somebody have to earn air or earn water? You know, well, like it, it's a safety, you, it's a safety you, issue. Yeah, that that's what I'm getting back to is like this idea that like control equals safety is an understanding that um, we take for granted that I think is false. And so would you would you would you let a toddler play with knives because they want to? No, definitely oh. not. But here, so I'll what's give the an, difference? I'll give an example. So like one thing I've written on is like sex and ID. DD populations, right? And um, there's like a perspective from the human services that like, um, okay, this is a population that is like uh, experiencing sexual abuse at rates 11 times higher than populations without intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, and, uh, and so you've got to like, make sure that they're not being abused. So we have to control how sex works, right? And so there's like all these control tactics, like, um, making someone take a class and go through an assessment procedure before they're like allowed to have sex. Um, and, uh, all of that above, like sort of like 
from just like a basic perspective seems like it makes sense, right? Like it seems like it would lead to safer practices. But what it actually leads to is people asserting their autonomy in unsafe ways, like finding opportunistic moments um, to engage in sex, not earning the right to take a sex ed class, so not knowing anything. And so when they're in a sexual encounter, having unsafe practices. And then what I think is most profoundly important, not getting the experience of like understanding what yes or no means on a personal level which I think makes them more predisposed to uh, uh, coercion by people who assert themselves as an authority. Right. And so it's like, it's not as simple as like, would you let your toddler play with knives? It's like, okay, at what point are you going to teach your toddler the danger of a knife? Like really sit down and talk to them about like what a knife is, what it means. I agree. I agree with that. that They can personally endorse Someone with severe mental illness may not understand that. That's what, that's my point. Someone with severe mental illness. Or it might be inconvenient for the staff member to take the time to really fully explain it. It could be, it could be a little of both, but at the same time, if you're, if you do have somebody that, you know, you can uh, explain fully, if you have a professional that can explain to somebody fully and they are not getting it or, or we think they are, and then we try and comprehend, you know, let them, you know, com- converse it another way so they can comprehend it. And a week later, they're doing the same thing. Like, there's got to yeah. be, you know what I mean? Like, it's again, also like, it's look not at- that black and white. I will, but, th- I will say this. I, I can see from, Andrea, your standpoint of resistance. Okay. I, I, I get it. And, and that is a lot of what it is. And it's been 49 years of that. So it just, it, to be honest with you, you, you just get exhausted. And part of me is, is a little bit biased on my own side just because of my own self-preservation. And I, I totally understand that, that point of view because I get it. I get it. I, I understand that people want to feel like they have control over what they say, what they do, how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their bodies, all that stuff. I wonder if there's, if there's a way, I mean, obviously self-determination is a lot of this. So where is the level of self-determination determined that someone has that ability to, I, I mean, it, because I, I get it, it's but it's, it's it's hard when you watch people make unsafe choices, and I and choice like I can understand where you think choice is a level of degree, but I don't think a choice of deciding to walk on a busy street when you can barely walk at all and letting and actually having the people at the facility let you do that because that's their autonomy is actually is actually safe. But I also understand the fact that that's where she is. And that's the fact that's just the matter of fact. It's yeah. basically it's basically three hots in a cot and med management, and they don't do very good at any of it. It's hard to watch and it's hard to to fight for complete autonomy when you don't see that is the all, also the best choice all the time. And, and maybe it's not my, and, and truthfully though, it's sometimes maybe it's just not my choice to make. And again, it's a toxic thing. So maybe I just need to remove myself completely and be like, okay, that's it. Yeah. I think that's Three. really what maybe the was. power of three fucks, I guess, maybe. And, and I guess yeah. maybe Tim, right. What do you, I think, yeah, yeah. Andrew, I, I got a question. What do you think about, 
uh, of viewing the autonomy in a, in a bit of a different light and, and kind of, you know, cause I, I think a lot of the problem is again, it's, it's built into the system. And, and as you were saying before, it's, you know, it's, it's, our children are, are pretty much indoctrinated with this, with the education system as a reward or a punishment, you know what I mean? That whole system. So if we kind of change it in that sense and, and give and look at it as you have the autonomy to think the way that you want to think and to react the way that you want to think you have, you have autonomy over your thoughts, you know, and over your emotions to a, to a degree. So that aspect of it, but maybe the other aspect of it, again, like Will's was kind of just used the example of someone that walking in a busy highway or a busy street, you know, cause, cause then again, if it's a safety issue, who's, are you going to blame the facility? You're going to blame the person who put the, put the plan together. You're going to blame the actual individual aid or, or the professional help, you know? So I guess the question would be for the, what do you think about changing the, the, the view of autonomy as to more of, of, of individualistic, your, your thoughts and your reactions. Autonomy is entirely individualistic, but it's also a need. It's a need. Like, like food is a need, like water. Oh, yeah. is I'm like not saying it's not, I'm with you, but again, it's like the, the, the casualness with which autonomy is stripped away is appalling. Right. So like, you know, yeah, I, I get I get I, where I you're coming you from. That there I, are moments when somebody is going to run into a busy highway when you need to strip them of their autonomy, right? Like hug them, say, I'm not gonna let you like run into this highway right now, right? But those moments need to be more rare than they are, right? They need to be so much more rare than they are because it needs to be this like very like um careful decision to strip somebody's autonomy away versus what we have now where like it's just taken for granted that if somebody enters a service system almost all of their autonomy will be stripped away i think it's like in terms of like the perspective shift we need it's not making me less radical about autonomy it's making the service system more casual or more uh like understanding of like the decisions that they're making to strip almost all autonomy away from people and if you look at like somebody who's not in a service system and the way they can float around the world making mistakes without it having that it impact their life in this way where they have like things they love taken away or things they enjoy taken away because they made a dumb mistake. They just make a dumb mistake. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to internalize this and maybe learn from it or maybe not, but then Bruh, still I, like play with their phone. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I get, I know where you're coming from. I get, I get it. And I, and, 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 and I, I know that autonomy is a need and I, I, it, it's just, it's hard to separate yourself when, when you live it, as a, as the individual on the other side. And yeah. And it, you what know, I, and it, what I want to do here for a second is also like normalize your struggle. Right. So like, like my, uh, my mother-in-law is not in the mental health service system. We're in this situation right now where she's like high risk for COVID and she's just choosing not to get vaccinated. And like, we want to hang out with her. We want to like spend time with her, but we're like scared that we'll infect her with COVID. And so like, we just haven't been seeing her and we just want to strangle her sometimes and say like, get the 
vaccine, you know. But aren't um, you? But then, but you're. And we're you're in like the her. same boat, but she's not in the mental health. But you're service. stripping her from our autonomy by not having the we, choice. No, we can't force her. That's the difference, right? So, but you're, but you're, him, but you're punishing her by not seeing her. We are not punishing her. We're setting our own boundaries. So, like, I could live. Yeah, I could, yeah, I agree. Yeah, bullshit. She is setting a boundary. Uh, she's setting a boundary. I, I'm not telling her what she can and can't do. I'm saying I can't know that I'm the person who infected you with COVID. Right. I, I get just, it. That's, and you, that's my own thing. I, I'm well, with again, you. I'm well, with you. Well, you set again, a boundary. At, you again, set a boundary. You're, stick you're, to you're it. The, if you're the professional, uh, you know, person at a, at a facility like this, or you're the aide, are you going to allow this person to do something dangerous and a lot? And, and, you know, you can, you can stand there and expect them to, to do certain things, but you're not the person that's going to be blamed for that or have the guilt of that, that other individual, the patient getting uh, injured or, you know, hurt. Yeah. Well, dude, she's also a professional that has a therapy practice that sees all kinds of people. So she needs to keep protected. She needs to keep up with the people protected. Like the bullshit about this vaccination and the non-vaccination stuff has got to stop. Like all these arguments about whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate has got to stop because that's the bullshit. No, that I'm not everybody wants to that. separate. Just, it. I, I, it's I just, just that some I'm people not. aren't going to choose like setting a boundary. Like, Again, she set a boundary. She said, I okay. can't see you because I don't want to infect you. I also have a practice that I have to see other people. So she, I mean, again, that's totally fair. That's and that's fine. a, that's a boundary. It is. But, but I'm saying I, I was, you're taking away, you're focusing on the, uh, the, the, the vaccination aspect of it. I'm talking about the mother choosing not to, to get the vaccination. Yeah, so I'm choice. not doing it from this place of trying to punish her. I'm really okay. not. Okay. And we see, we when I talk to my husband about it, we see our brains go that direction once in a while. And then we stop ourselves and we say like, we have to not, we have to like still, even though she's making the holiday, encountering the holidays, like a very challenging thing. We're not going to say, we're not going to see you. We're going to do all the work of like having an uncomfortable outdoor component so that we can like still include her in the holidays because we respect the fact, even though we don't understand it, that this decision is not one she wants to make. Okay. And that's it's perfect. So, All right, so that's hard. That's the thing. It's so hard. It enrages me every day, but like, she's not in a situation where I have control over her, right? Someone else in a different family might have control and might be able to force their mother-in-law to get the vaccine. And is she, is she willing mean? Is she willing to wear a mask? Like if you guys go over and like sit in the driveway or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we're going to make, we're okay. going to make, yeah. right. We're going to make yeah. work. The thing is like supporting autonomy is really hard sometimes. That's like my, my point. Right. And then who gets control over other people and who doesn't. Right. right? I, I, right. I, and I wanted to, that's I, what yeah. I was tr trying to get at earlier. And, I, and again, I, I understand the whole thing, but I look at it as, as uh, you know, as, as, as I do the same thing with validation, like you validate yourself or you validate this person. But at the same time, if you're invalidating you know, your mom or somebody else, then, then what's it really about? You know what I mean? It's, it's very, there's a fine line there and it can be confusing. Um, I, you know, I, so I, I mean, look, it goes back to the old saying, man, you can't please everybody. Like everybody's decision isn't going to please everybody. 
you just you have to do the best you can to make the best decision for yourself. Like, I mean, that's it. And like, okay, if your boundary is this, it's this, and that you stick to it. And yeah, I, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, I, we, if we stopped looking at punishment the way, like every, like, again, there you go. You went and looked at the punishment, like right away, boom, that's where your brain triggered to. Cause that's what we do. Cause we're yeah. so focused, we're focused on, on, I was just using it as an example. Well, right. But, but that's where you went to though, with that, like, it wasn't that you, that you went to safety of her, you went to punishment of her. Like, cause that's how oh, we I, do. I said both. That is how well, we do. You did, you did, but you mentioned punishment first. And okay. it's made, but it's, we do that. I do the same thing. Like, it's funny how we kind of pinpoint one certain side of it sometimes, because that's how we're programmed to look at it. It's and totally it, how we're programmed. We're right. to it throughout our entire lives. Yes. Right? And we have been from, 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 and we will be from birth to death. And to, I and mean, unless you change hurt, it. Hurt people, hurt people. Right. Yeah, so like, right. I, I've been subjected to rewards and punishment my whole life. So my, I feel my brain go that direction when I'm in pain. Right. Like, right. and like the, the real thing I wanted to do will was just like normalize your experience with your mom, but then sort of challenge this idea. Like your mom is in a situation where like people can control her my mother-in-law is in a situation where people can't right both of them are in life-threatening situations right 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 so like like why does one person get to have this whole host of people saying what's good or bad for her and actually have the power to like steer her in that direction versus the other right i i get what you're saying but i think that that's a matter of whether you have a legitimate like, I, I mean, so is a mental illness not a legitimate condition to 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 literally like, I mean, to to protect then like I'm because because I mean, and I'm not how to protect. Right. My question. Right. Is how, right. Is how. how so, so how do you protect illness, someone? How do so you protect illness, someone? Mental illness is a psychological condition. Right. The brain. Right. Right. So why wouldn't we go home to what the concrete psychological needs are in order to address the psychological condition. It'd be in my mind, the same as like somebody with a medical condition going into a hospital and then not giving them like hydration. Right. So like, so like in self-determination theory, the three main needs are, uh, autonomy, uh, belongingness and competence, right? Like everyone needs these right in order to feel good right like they need a sense of control over their own lives they need to feel like valuable or good at something and they need to be connected to other people right and so like if you always come home to these needs while also addressing the mental health concern right and make sure these needs are met the same way if somebody were in a hospital environment you'd make sure that they have like uh, hydration, nutrition, air, right? Make sure you're like infusing these things into their experience while also addressing the mental health concern. Does that then, make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Then, then maybe it's then maybe it's not as much um, 
a looking at re-looking at the individual who's in the system, but maybe it's looking at the these places. Absolutely. And, but but how do you start the conversation about getting things to change for at the at the real level, like in the community level? Absolutely. I want to like venture this idea that people like going out and independently finding the things that will like feel good and help them. The lack of people doing that is a symptom of their autonomy being stripped away consistently. Right. So like a lot of people in the mental health system, a lot of people in my system, IDDD system will like be so chronically controlled their whole life where it's hard to then fathom like, okay, I'm going to go out and find my own thing that will help me because like, and I see this in therapy all the time with clients who have very controlling parents where like, it becomes very, very difficult to then like even figure out what your needs and wants are right because you have somebody telling you what they are constantly even if they're wrong or right like well, right you know you, you like don't right you lose touch to, like look externally for the answer rather than like look internally like maybe i want to connect with other people like me so i'm going to go to this peer support group right? right and you kind of like when you don't have that you lose sense of self i appreciate your time so much um being yeah, i appreciate here. both so, of you um tim what is there anything you want to finish up not unless unless andrew you have something that you want to add no what's the lightning round the lightning round ah we got <laughs> we got a couple of questions we got three questions for you they're okay. not hard they're not hard questions <laughs> i thought i sent them to you in your email but maybe i didn't but they're she easy. Got a little nervous well i think i think <laughs> I have a feeling, I have a feeling you'll have answers for all of these because you, I, you've pretty much said, I, I could kind of see this. So I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Timmy. First, do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? Oh, um, okay. My favorite word is spellbound. It's a beautiful word. Nice. That's a first. Do you think I like about that. it like a spell, like as a binding of a book, and then you're like enraptured in the book, like as if it's magic. It's a really pretty word. It's pretty cool. I just envisioned that whole thing. I kind of got giddy. That was kind of neat. <laughs> wow. All right. I felt like Peter Pan. Woo! <laughs> you look like him too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm about <laughs> as tall. I'm about as tall. You have a least favorite. A least favorite word. I don't think i'd have to think about that one more. okay that's all right what it's all not right. control what it's not control <laughs> <laughs> well, i use the word so often <laughs> i kind of i recognize my toxic need for the word <laughs> ah, that was great um do you have a spirit animal or mm -hmm. a favorite pet and are you a cat dog or other I've always been like drawn to um, gopher or other like underground rodent communities. And, <laughs> and I think it's because like, I love the idea that like, oh, above ground, below ground. I love the idea that like underground, there's this whole like society of like people bonding and connecting. <laughs> yeah um that's, that's, that's really cool man that's awesome yeah. so yeah. Is, is your favorite movie caddyshack then <laughs> <laughs> no but i i um i think i'm okay i think in terms of like the way that i function um i'm more skunk like so uh and this is not a tendency that's like 
uh, a positive one and it's one I'm trying to move away from, but if you have a pet, I've heard if you have a pet skunk and, um, and you offend the skunk, like if you like punish the skunk or like, even if you like accidentally injure the skunk, like step on it, you just have to give the skunk to somebody else because the skunk will never forgive you. Wow. <laughs> like they, they that's hold, true. They hold powerful grudges. So like, wow. no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I'm moving away. I'm moving away from the powerful grudge component, but I think the, like the skunk does not want to be controlled or punished. (laughs) So that is like, I told you it's all about control. It's all about control. (laughs) That's a good one. Good answer. Do you have a pet or anything? I have a dog and I have a three-legged cat. Wow. So you're just, you got it all the way around then. All right. A skunk would be nice. I've heard <laughs> you can domesticate them. That's what yeah. I've heard. You, like can the skunk, you can have the skunk, you can have the smell, you can have the thing removed, the I guess. Taken out. Yeah. yeah. And then also like you have to skunk proof your house because they're really clever. Like they can like figure out how to like open refrigerators and stuff. Wow. So they're like a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> they just make a mess. They go right for the trash. Yeah. <laughs> So the last question we have is if there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint, what would it be? Mm, uh, I think probably guess uh, just uh, less control, like strip away the control. Honestly, like, okay, having worked in the mental health system participated in the mental health system, uh, personally, and then also seeing like the IDDD service population. I've met so many cool people that like the rest of the population doesn't have access to because of this tendency to segregate. And like, I just want everyone like out in the street so that everyone can see this like amazing diversity, you know, like there are so many moments I've had where I'm like, this person's brain is so cool. And so few people see it, you know, I just want everyone out in the street. And I've heard there are like countries like that, you know, where like everyone's just out. And like a professor told me about it once, like he was in some country where there's no, um, no like uh, institutional environments. And he was just like, walking down the street and there was this guy driving a bed car wearing like full pajama get up and like top like big pointy cap just like driving this bed down the street (laughs) and like I want people to see more stuff like that you know just like how interesting the human brain can be does he have to abide by the speed limits I wonder (laughs) probably (laughs) (laughs) that would be cool to see for sure yeah. <laughs> but I All think, right. I think, no, I think you made a great point. I, I, and I, and I think we, you know, I think for me, at least that's one of the reasons why we do this is, is we learn from everybody. You know what I mean? Every time we talk to somebody, we learn something new and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and hopefully it's, it's, a, it, you know, reciprocated and we can take that and possibly store it in our toolbox or, or use it somewhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. I really thing. appreciate the time here with both of you. You're Thank you. So thoughtful. Oh. And like, this was a really fun uh, discussion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure for the both of us. Um, is there anything, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, uh, take care. All take right. Care of yourselves. Have a good day. 
<laughs> awesome. Timmy, another cool conversation, man, here on Above Ground Podcast. So until next time, be well. Be safe. Be above.